to the Men of Valor program on today's show by popular request. It went so well last week that uh, we have asked Chris and Elizabeth Hardesty to once again join Dr. Greg Miller and myself uh, as we're talking about legacy. And on last week's program, they did a great job of reflecting back on their early years, their early childhood, and their relationship with their parents. And today, Greg, I think you want to take a look at how Chris and Elizabeth are uh, formatting their legacy thoughts with their own children. Absolutely. Um, In the month of January, we, we looked at legacy, and part of that is what do we want to leave behind? And how do we want our work, our recovery, our own transformation to be a factor and an influence in our children's lives? So Chris and Elizabeth, we're very glad that y'all are back. And just again, as you think about legacy in the future, what, what are the concepts that come to mind? What, what is it that you think about? Well, for me, it was, uh, I, I, would, I would have to go back to when Elizabeth first approached me, I have 13 years into our marriage or so, and, and she said, you know, I, I'm ready for a separation and a divorce, right? And so at that point, it was a question of, and it, I'll, I'll tie this into legacy, right? It, so it was, so I wrestled with this notion of kind of, you know, we ask the question in the workshop, you, do you want to get well or do you mm-hmm. want to be well, you know? And so that was a question that I wrestled with for about, about a, a good month, mm-hmm. you know, really. Finally, it was just at a place where I could even wrestle with that question. And, and the word that, kept coming to me over and over again in that month of, of contemplation was integrity mm-hmm. and whether I wanted to be a man of integrity. So I had resolved that, of course, that the marriage was over. So it was like, well, do I want to be a man of integrity for Elizabeth? Well, not necessarily per se, right? Because this, at this point, I'm kind of left with myself. Mm-hmm. Do, I want to, do I want to be a man of integrity really for, for me? Uh, but then, of course we had three young children. And so that was the question naturally extended to what would being a man of integrity, how would that, how would that uh, spill over? Right. And how would that influence Mm -hmm. my children? Right. And conversely, how would not being a man of integrity influence my children? Mm -hmm. And so that, that had a major um, influence on how I came to, came to a final decision on, yes, I do want to be a man of integrity because I, I believe for a variety of reasons that if I were to go the, at that juncture, if I were to take the actual, the, 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 the fork in the road, the, the, the fork of the, the pathway of integrity, then hopefully my prayer anyway would be that that would, that that would cascade on down to my children and mm-hmm. they would, they would get a piece of that. So that's mm-hmm. what, that's what kind of influenced that was the beginning point, really, if I'm honest, of when I really started to think about this idea of legacy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One, one thing that I would add is our, our stories are similar in that um, Beth and I separated early on, and early I had this awareness that I would be a better dad out of the house and in recovery than in the house and in my addiction. So, you know, the question is, you know, do I want to be well and for, for whom do I want to be well? Who do I want to benefit from my wellness? And I, I learned and had the awareness early on that I wanted it for my children. I wanted my boys to have a dad who is sober and healthy and seeking to become fully the man that God created him to be because I knew that that was the dad that they needed. Exactly. Yeah. This is such a 
a loaded thing to talk about because, man, there's so much to this. But I think back, too, to where I was at before I even asked Chris to move out. I was really wrestling within myself because I think I realized how broken our marriage was and how broken I was. Mm -hmm. And I realized I just wrestled with, like, this is going to be our story. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the legacy that gets left is just brokenness. And we're trying to mask it. We're trying to pretend it's not broken and it's broken. And I, and I remember just thinking something has to change. And for over a decade, I just kept surviving, just Mm -hmm. thinking like, we're going to make it. We're going to, divorce is not an option. Just fear, I think, kept me in that place. And, and I just, remember thinking like something has to be different. This is not what I want to pass on to my children. What, what am I doing to them? If I don't, if I don't stand up to my, for myself and say no more, something has to change. And it was really that, that question. And, and just that, I think that hope that something could be different, mm-hmm. that there could be something different passed on if I would just speak out mm-hmm. and say something needs to be different. One, one of the things that I like to do is watch the home remodeling shows. And what I'm always aware of is in order for there to be transformation, there first has to be deconstruction. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're always tearing out a wall or, you know, destroying something in order to build something new. And I think for a lot of people, what ends up happening if they're not careful is they stop watching the home remodeling show in the middle when it's just about the destruction. And part of the commitment is not just to, you know, tear down the wall and, you know, re, you know take out the cabinets, but it's to be committed to the journey so that at the end you have something new. And for each of us, we have to decide that we are committed to the full process. And so instead of living in a, ho- a house that has been destroyed, we live in a house that has been rebuilt. Yes, and I think it's having hope that it could mm-hmm. be rebuilt, right? I think sometimes it just felt like rubble. And, and to have the hope that how is this ever going to be put back mm-hmm. together? Even just part of that, like Chris said, there was no marriage. There, was, there wasn't a view of how it's going to be rebuilt in marriage, but it was even how am how am I going to be rebuilt? Mm-hmm. How what does my healing even look like? And it was just trusting. I know Debbie would would say to me, "Can you believe there could be purpose in this pain?" And I just had to hold on to that hope that something would come out of this. If I just took that next right step, if I just engaged in this and and really went for it, um, all in to my own journey, I, I just had to hold out that something will come from this. Mm-hmm. Well, and. And part of it is, and you've alluded to this, is in the early days, we don't have hope, you know, and so therefore we need to surround ourselves with wise men and women who can have hope for Mm -hmm. us. And in working with individuals and couples, you know, there's two questions that I'll ask. And one is, do you believe that things can be better? And do you want things to be better? And one is the question of possibility, and the other is the question of desire. And in order for there to be transformation, we must be able to say yes to both of those questions. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think it was, it was, it, it was a process mm-hmm. getting there to actually arrive at, yes, I do believe there can be, um, I, I do believe and I do actually want, right, to actually change this legacy, change this change the direction we're headed and, and move into something that's, that's more fruitful and, and, and uh, that's going to actually truly benefit the children mm-hmm. as well. And 
part of the complexity is back to the remodeling image. So we're aware that something needs to be done. And so we start tearing down the drywall. And then behind the drywall, we discover there's asbestos and we discover that there's bad wiring and there's lead paint. And sometimes it feels so overwhelming that there can be this temptation just to put drywall back up and cover over all of the chaos. And it takes a specific commitment and, and hope to say we, we can get in there and remove the lead paint and the asbestos and the bad wiring. And it's going to take more energy and more effort and that is the gift that we want to give to our children. That We want them to live mm-hmm. in an asbestos-free house. You know, we, we don't want there to be lead paint for our children. And so it's a commitment to whatever it takes. I want to be able to do this because there's so much at stake. That it's not just about me. It's not even just about my marriage. But it's about creating a safe space for my children to grow up and then move on to whatever is next for them. I, I agree. And I also, as you talk, Greg, I'm thinking about, you know, listeners that don't have children, mm-hmm. right? And so what is the, uh, what's the, what's the motivation, right? What is that, where does that come from? So there's this question about, do I want to be well, really? But we have to remember too, that this being, being well and, and, and finding yourself sort of in, entrenched in, you know, in a, in the, in the body of Christ, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, there's going to be a ripple effect you know, just as if you're in your if you're in your addiction, there's a negative ripple effect, mm-hmm. right? If you're in if you're if you're working towards wellness and integrity, there's a positive ripple effect, not just to the children, and that's where we I think that's where our heads immediately go, mm-hmm. and, and you know, rightfully so, you know, but it's there's also it's the people around you, it's the co- it's the people you work with, mm-hmm. it's the people you go to church with, it's the it's the person you see at the grocery store, right? And it just has this this uh, this ripple effect. Um, out into all, all around you, out into people, everyone that you touch along the way, it's mm-hmm. gonna are gonna benefit from the from the standpoint of legacy. What you're leaving behind, you're leaving a little bit of that of that growth and wellness with that person that you that mm-hmm. you meet at the grocery store or what have you, right? So it's I just wanted to be, you know, I know there there are listeners that that may not have children mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, and um, and it's just not about the legacy you leave is just not for children, right? Right. The legacy you leave is for hu- humanity, right? And right? we we hear so many of those stories. Um, we work with a lot of young adults who, at this point, are not married and um, don't have kids. And what we hear though is because of the commitment that they've made to their own journey and recovery, the people in their lives are experiencing that. They're seeing that, and so a community is changed by that. Parents are changed by that. And like you said, and I'm so glad that you mentioned this, it's not just about influencing the lives of our children, but it's influencing the lives of the people who we know that have contact with us. And so someone who chooses to be well has the capacity of impacting those who are around them. And, you know, we talked about this idea of influencing the church. And, you know, one of the things that we see is because an individual, a couple, will be committed to their own wellness and they take that back to their body of Christ, to wherever their church may be, and they begin to change the culture of the church. That is huge. So the legacy that we leave is beyond our families. It's the community and how, through our decision to be well, we can influence others. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I would love to hear is, as you've been on this journey of recovery for a while, and you're getting clearer about the impact and the influence that you can have, what are some of the specific things 
that you do want to leave your children and also influence the other people in your life? What, what would you like for your legacy to be? This has been an ongoing conversation for the two of us, um, for sure. And, and as you said, there are there's multi layers to this. And so as we've peeled back one layer, like oh, we want our kids to know this and do this. It's, there, there's it's just so multifaceted. But I think one thing that stands out to me right off the top of my head is um, just being real, being mm-hmm. authentic with our children. That that they know appropriately at appropriate levels, you know, the, the truth about their mom and dad and that we also want to know the truth of them, mm-hmm. you know, that we, um, that we can be a real family. We're not pretending. We don't need to hide. We don't need to put masks on. Like we really want to be, be in the trenches together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you stole mine, right? I was going <laughs> to say authenticity. Uh, but I think just part and parcel with that is just honesty as well. Mm-hmm. So we want to be, a, we want our children to be truth tellers. You know, we want them to be, and and to feel like they can they can rest assured in being truth tellers because it's safe for them to be truth tellers mm-hmm. and creating an environment where they're okay. And it's you know so so often we don't we think about why we don't tell the truth, which we talk about a lot around here, why we hide, right? And so, uh, but give facilitating uh, an environment where they can be truth tellers. And I, you know, again, even spilling over into the center here at Faithful and True, creating an environment here at Faithful and True, right? Where clients can come in and be truth tellers mm-hmm. and be authentic. Absolutely. And you know, one of the principles I think of parenting is that if there's something that we would like for our children to do, then we model it. You know, we, we can tell them about it, but the most effective thing is to model it. So if we want our our children to be authentic, then we model authenticity. If we want them to be honest, then we model honesty and transparency. And so it's about living out in front of them and demonstrating to them these various principles that we would like um, for them to, to have in their own lives. And I know for me, one of the things that was really important is for my boys to understand our family can do hard things. And that there's nothing that will overwhelm us and tank us. That, you know, I had a specific conversation with our boys as they were kind of looking towards their lives to be able to say, there's not a choice that you could make that would be too much for us. And so, you know, they knew my story. They knew the separation. They knew the work that Beth and I have done. And so when I said to them, our family can do hard things, they had an understanding of that from experience. And I know that there are a lot of couples out there that wrestle with how much should they share with others. But I think one of the things that happens is if you are reluctant to include your children in the journey that you are on, then some of the lessons that you are learning have less impact because they don't, the children don't understand the context in which you've learned those experiences or learned those lessons. And so to be able just to cast this vision that um, we can do hard things as a family and then I think the other piece of that for me was, and you're not alone. We can be with you in this. And um, again, it's about modeling the, our capacity to be with them, to be with ourselves, with, to be with God. And it's not about fixing it. You know, I don't, I, there are sometimes issues come up that it's not fixable. There's not a simple solution. So it's just reminding others, our, our friends, our families, that we can be with them when life is difficult. I think one other thing I, that I think of along those same lines is how much the 
um, the seven desires have, mm-hmm. have really played a key role in thinking about legacy, not just in my own story, my own healing of thinking about those desires and, and believing and knowing like those are things that, that I need that are good. Those are legitimate needs given to me by God, but also knowing that those are within our children. Mm-hmm. And um, that's helped us to kind of really think through vision of, uh, what are what are we choosing? You know, what are we, what are we staying busy with? Are we able to really provide a place that's safe in our home? Are we able to provide a place where our kids are feeling heard and understood, mm-hmm. where they are being um, affirmed and blessed? You know, or, or are we are we too busy? Are we um, going after the wrong things? And I think all that has helped us to just create an atmosphere of um, of legacy, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that might not be familiar, you referred to the seven desires. Just explain a little bit about what that what that is. Well, um, Mark and Debbie wrote a book, Seven Desires, and really they've they have come down to the belief that women or men, either mm-hmm. one, that we all have these seven core desires that we are given that they're God given, um, and oftentimes we are it, it, throughout our lives we we don't always have those things met. In uh, in legitimate ways, and we might we might be searching for those things mm-hmm. illegitimately, um, and and yet each of those is important. I can I will list them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have um, being heard and understood, being affirmed, being blessed, safety, being touched in healthy non sexual ways, being chosen, and being included. Mm-hmm. And. Again, I, I agree with you completely. The understanding of those seven desires and reading the book that Mark and Deb wrote really helped me to understand what parenting was about. And it, you know, for parenting is so overwhelming at times and so confusing. And so just getting some clarity about how I could serve my children through understanding those desires. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess one another one that as we just, as we uh, have talked here that came to mind is something I want to leave with our kids. We both want to leave with our kids is this the a model for healthy reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Healthy reconciliation. And so of course we practice that here faithful and true as well. But the idea that we can if there's if if there's some transgression that's occurred, some I've offended someone in some way or something and I need to own that, I need to take ownership, confess that, repent of that, turn around. Mm-hmm. And then experience a process of forgiveness, you know. And that, I, I don't mean to make light of that. That takes time, abs- for sure. Um, but you know that that whole reparation process, where we're rebuilding something that, you know, there's a there's been something that's happened along the way to sort of to, to get to. You talked about intimacy, mm-hmm. I think, on the last podcast, and something that it becomes a wedge in that intimacy, and to be to be able to repair that, right? And so leaving this model of healthy reconciliation really to facilitate ongoing intimacy mm-hmm. in the family is important. And then that being a leg- part of a legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if, if we don't model that there's a way forward, even when we choose wrongly or we hurt someone or we sin, then we get stuck. And so for children to understand, I don't have to live a perfect life to be safe I can live my life, and when I do make mistakes, I can own them, and that there is a way forward um, with and for the people who love me, and that's a, a great gift that we can give our kids. Mm-hmm. You bet. Well, one one thing that um, I think we're all acknowledging, and that is 
that we are shaped and formed by the past, and the hope is that we don't, we're not defined by the past. We, we don't have to be held hostage by the past. And in the same way, we are able to shape and form the future, and those who we have relationship with can be um, influenced by our lives and how we live. And I think part of it is just simply understanding and taking that seriously, that when we do talk about legacy, that there is this understanding that we can, through wisdom, leave a legacy that brings hope and is transformative and makes a difference in other people's lives. You have been listening to Dr. Greg Miller. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. And once again, we want to thank Chris and Elizabeth Hardesty for joining us on the podcast today. I thank you by listening to Chris and Elizabeth. You can understand why we uh, consider them to be the poster couple for Faithful and True and the work that can be accomplished when you come here. We have many a couple that come that are broken. And uh, if you follow the program and work as hard as you two have worked, uh, wonderful things await you. So we hope that uh, today's program has been beneficial for you as a listener, and we hope that the coming week is going to be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and great vision. <laughs>